Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you. Got the feet up in the recliner tonight. Rhonda's sitting close by. We're going to watch us a movie here in a minute. But I know we're kind of coming in late tonight. Just uh, been a long day. We've had some company and uh, up and down a lot today. And I haven't been feeling the best today. So we're just kind of riding the tide as this uh, recovery continues. So bear with us as we as we continue on this journey. But I wanted to share a message with you tonight. I, I had spent some time, uh, basically I was digging around. The word holiness kept echoing in me today. And, and I, I've preached a message before on what's your definition of holiness. Uh, and, I've, and I've referenced that several times in some of my messages. But as we begin to prepare for this message, I, I want to build a little bit of a timeline here. And I'm not real good at this because... We're going back into an area that's some of these chapters, these books are difficult for me to keep following. There, there's so much going on in them. It's a, it's a hard to, for me to unpack it all. Uh, but I would encourage you, we're going to go to Second Kings. But if, if you look at chapter one, it begins with the prophet Elijah as he travels and he ministers and he speaks the heart of God. That's, there's, there's a lot packed into chapter one. That's not where we're going. Chapter two, we see Elijah being caught up into heaven. And his servant Elisha picking up Elijah's mantle and begins his own journey as a prophet. And chapter 3 is full of war. His kingdom rises against kingdom. And now we get to chapter 4 where I want to be. Where right off the bat, beginnings of chapter 4, we see the miracle of the oil. And this is a common message. It's not where we're going, but it, I want to share with you. It's a common message. It's where the widow and her sons cry out to the prophet, the man of God, that, that they don't have anything left and, and the taxes are due and the rent's due or whatever it is, and she's afraid they're going to come take her sons. So Elijah basically said, what do you have? And she said, well, I have this one little pot that's got a little bit of oil. He said, gather every pot you, have, you can find from your neighbors, borrow, beg, whatever, get every container you can get and begin to pour the oil into those containers. Well, they gathered all the pots they could find, everyone that would share with them, all these empty containers, and she poured until the very last container was full. And, and, and so that she, out of one jar, she poured all these other vessels full. And he told her, he said, now you take all that to the market and sell it, keep what you need, and then use that money to live on the, the rest of your time during, during the time that they were in. So we see the first miraculous thing happen right here with Elisha, um, and, and it's, it's pretty powerful. So and that brings us to where, we, where I want to get to for this message. So as I'm studying out the word holiness, I ran across a devotion, and it really caught my attention. It caught my heart. And, and so I want to share some things out of it with you. I'm going to, for, for just sake of time, I'm going to kind of breeze through. There's a lot of passages of Scripture here. Um, I'm just going to kind of highlight the points that I want you to catch. But 2 Kings chapter 4, and, I, and I'd encourage you, get into your word and, and get into 2 Kings and look at those first four chapters at least. And you'll, and you'll get a really good basis for where this message is coming from. But 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 11, is, begins right off the bat with one day we, he had come there. And this, let me backtrack just a touch. It was a Shunammite woman who they would pass by her house often, uh, Elisha and, and his servant. And she would ask him to stop in for a meal. And so every time he was through that area, he oftentimes would stop in. So she speaks to her husband and says, hey, this is a man of God. This guy's, you know, it could really be a blessing. What if we built him a little room up above our home where he's got a place to, to, to stop over and lay down and rest on his journeys? 
So they did. So he began doing so. He would stop in from time to time. He would, he would sleep. So here we are in verse 11. One day they came there and turned into the upper room and lay down to rest. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. And now he said to Gehazi, say to her now, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can I do for you? What would you like to be, or would you like to be mentioned to the king or to the captain of the army? <coughs> Excuse me. Under the captain of the army, um, she answered, I live among my own people. I live in peace, security, and I have no need of special favors. So later, Elisha said to, to Gehazi, what then is this to be done for her? She's done such for us. What, what can we do for her? And Gehazi answered, well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, call her. So Gehazi called her, and she came and stood in the doorway. And Elisha said, at, his, at this season next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and gave birth to a son at that season that the next year, just as Elisha had said to her. Now, again, keep in mind what she's saying here is, no, my Lord, I don't, I mean, don't say something that can't come true. That's, that's what she's arguing about here. She didn't, not that she didn't want a son. She's just saying, don't, don't lead me along. Don't, don't lie to me and make me feel good and nothing come. But she did bear a son. So when the child was grown, the day came that he, he went out to his father and to the reapers. But something was wrong with him. He said, my head, my head. And the man said to his servant, carry him to his mother. So when he had carried him and brought him to his mother, he sat up on her lap until noon, and then he died. So she went up and laid him in the bed of the, of the man of God, the upper room, and shut the door uh, of the little upper room behind her and left. And she called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys so that I may run to the man of God and, and return he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. or It's not a holiday. It's not anything we do. She said, it will be all right. I like her faith here. It will be all right. She, she saddled up the donkey and she tells the servant, you drive this animal as fast as he'll go. Now, donkeys don't go that fast, but I can see he was probably switching it and leading it and it was probably fighting them. But they get all the way to where Mount Carmel is where Elisha is at. And so they set out for Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is the Shunammite woman. Please run now to meet her and ask her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? And is it well with the, your child? And she answered, it is well. Well, when she came to the mountain and the man of God, she took hold of his feet and Gehazi approached to push her away. But the man of God said, let her be, let her alone for her soul is desperate and troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden the reason from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask for a son, my Lord? Did I not say, do not give me false hope? Then she said to Gehazi, then I, he said to Gehazi, gird up your loins, prepare now and take my staff in your hand and go to the woman's house. If you meet any man along the way, don't stop to chat. Don't stop to hang out. You go there and lay my staff on the face of the boy as soon as you reach the house. So the mother of the child, as the Lord lives, and as um, said to him, and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So Elisha arose, and he followed her. Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the boy's face. But there was no sound or response from the boy. So he turned back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. So when Elisha came to the house, the child was dead and lying on his bed. 
So he went in and he shut the door behind the two of them and he prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, put his mouth to his, his child's mouth, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself out on him and held him, the boy's skin became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house and once back and forth. And then he went up again to the upper room and he stretched himself out on him. And the boy sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes. Then Elisha called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So, so he called her. And when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing herself to the ground in respect and gratitude. And she picked up her son and left. So this is very interesting. There, all through even the beginning of Elisha's ministry, and I love the story of Elijah and Elisha. There, there's some power there. That handing down of the mantle, that handing down of the of the, of the the, the leadership role. Uh, as, as Elijah's work here was done, God was taking him into heaven. They come with chariot of fire, horses of fire, and a whirlwind of fire took him up. What an what an incredible thought there to be that close to God in in such communion with God. So the question I want to ask you today is, who is this Gehazi dude? Because he doesn't show up until this chapter four. So. Gehazi was the confidential servant for Elisha. Various words are used to denote Gehazi's relationship to his master. He's generally called Elisha's boy or servant or personal attendant. In 2 Kings 5, 25, verse 25, he calls himself his master's servant or slave. And in 2 Kings 4, 43, later on past our message here, uh, the version refers to him as the attendant. Gehazi's name means one who denies or diminishes or valley of my vision. But when we look at his life, we find that Gehazi was nearby, yet he was distant from all that was pure and beautiful. So the story of Gehazi is sad. It's a sad story. But it's one that happens thousands of times every day and in the lives of believers to one degree or another. In the story of Gehazi, we find that holiness does not just get rubbed into you. You, you, you can't get holiness by, by rubbing up against somebody. You can't get holiness by them coughing on you or breathing on you like, like this other joke we get. You can't get holiness just by hanging out with holy people. You have, to, you have to have contact with the most holy people. But you can hang out with them and rub elbows with them, holy men of God, all day long. But in order for you to become holy, you're going to need to respond and make a choice to live a holy life. That was Elijah's choice, and it was Elisha's choice. Matter of fact, Elisha asked for a double portion. So he got to carry two times the weight that Elijah did in the burden for the people. In this story, we see the process and consequences of greed or covetousness, which always hinders godliness and godly service. God had anointed Elisha with a double portion of the anointing that Elijah had. But even as Elisha had succeeded Elijah as the prophet, Gehazi could perhaps have succeeded Elisha as the next prophet, if he had been faithful. Gehazi saw all these miracles take place. He saw crazy things. In 2 Kings 4.17, he witnessed the childless woman and have a child, the, the Shunammite woman. Um, when the woman's child, the boy died, he, he saw him give life again to this child, verses 35 through 37. We just read all that. He saw a poisonous pot of stew later on in this chapter, verses 38 through 41, be purified and made safe to eat. In verse 42 and 44, he also saw a hundred people fill themselves with a few portions of food, and then they had much left over. So miracle after miracle after miracle, he, he witnessed 
as he served Elisha. Here's one of the things that makes this story so sad. And at the same time, a warning that, that we should take from this. He was not a man without opportunity. Opportunity was around him constantly. As a servant of Elisha, he was also a student of Elisha. He, he, I mean, he was seeing what, what, Eli, what was Elisha doing. It wasn't that he was getting in some magic potion bag. He was going before the Lord. You notice before he, he went up and, and to touch the child, he prayed. Then he laid out on the child. There was always this moments of time spent with God, getting the directions right before he, he made any type of a move. So he had all kinds of opportunity and, and, and all kinds of a, of a teaching material being displayed in front of him at all times. He had the privilege of knowing these great men of God. I mean, to walk with Elisha or Elijah the one, to me, would be just fanatical. I, I, I would, the, the things that God did using those men were incredible. He had the example of Elisha's life and the message of his lips as a tremendous source of instruction, challenging, learning, and motivation for godliness and a life of service. But yet Gehazi failed to capitalize and grow through this privilege. He was familiar with sacred things, but yet he was a stranger to their power. It's kind of like that one scripture that, that talks about um, they have the appearance of holiness, but they lack the, the power thereof. Gehazi was irre, irre, irreligious. That's a hard word for me to say. He was irreligious amid religion. In other words, he was blind to what was going on right in front of his eyes. He lived with good men, and he had a knowledge of God, yet he succumbed to the hardening influence of spiritual things. From this, we can learn that opportunity and privilege are no guarantee of success. We've got to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us, or we lose the blessing and the impact of those opportunities on our lives. Just being around the Word of God and just being around godly example does not guarantee the communication of the biblical truth, spiritual growth, and personal godliness. What are you doing today to make use of the opportunities that God has given you to live a holy life? Are, are your spiritual eyes open to receive from the Lord, or, or is it having no impact on your life? Elizabeth Elliot said this, Holiness has never been the driving force of the majority. It is, however, mandatory for anyone who wants to enter the kingdom. Let me read that again. Holiness has never been the deriving force of the majority. It is, however, mandatory for anyone who wants to enter the kingdom. You want to find your eternal reward in heaven? Holiness is the key. God called us to be holy because he is holy. Eternal security is only secured in a life pursuing such holiness with every fiber of our being. Pray this with me. Lord, help us to realize that, one, you've saved us. And that we may be conformed to the image of your son. That, that's our goal, to be conformed to the image of your son. But let us not waste any opportunities today to be changed into your likeness. That should be our, our goal in life to be changed into the likeness of Christ. We can, we can hang out with godly people. We can go to church on Sundays and we can go to lunch with the pastor on Sunday afternoon or we can hang out with them. We can chat with them. We can converse with them. We can hang out with godly people in the church building. We can listen to worship. We can, you know, we can even read the word. 
But if we don't let it impact our life to change, what, what did it do for us? It, it wasted our time. God is calling us to, to put effort into, into everything opportunity that he puts in front of us. Opportunities are around us all the time to be ministers. Ron and I got to experience that a little bit. Uh, and actually, she caught it. I, I didn't really even catch it. I was just rambling like I always do, just running my mouth to that nurse over there in that hospital. And, and, but it ministered to her, and it ministered to me, too, in the process of it. You know, God uses, he opens these opportunities up around us all the time. But we've got to see this with our spiritual eye. We, we can't allow the cloudiness of the world to interfere with our spiritual eyes. We've got to open our spiritual eyes that we might see what you see that we might feel what you feel and so that we can speak what you would speak at any given time in the lives of others. Our role, obviously, is to spread the gospel, to go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make followers, to lead them to Jesus. We're not going to be able to do that if we're not living a holy lifestyle. Our lifestyle is going to have a reflection on everything that we are. So I challenge you today, be a, be a man and woman of holiness. God's called us to be holy. So how about tonight I give you some homework and you go on your own search. If I'm to ask you, what is your definition of holiness? How would you respond to me? Maybe, maybe spend some time in God's word looking up holiness and what it means to be holy and, and what, it, what it's requiring of us today in the world that we live in. It's not a pleasant place. We've got to, we've got to keep our nose in God's word We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, and we've got to follow him to the best of our ability through the rest of these days. Don't waste an opportunity today to be changed into the likeness of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for following along on our podcast. Thank you for bearing with us during this time, praying for us, supporting us. We're so appreciative. Uh, I, I, I've got so much I'd like to say. I, I'm just trying to pack it all into where I want to say it. Uh, maybe one day we'll just take a the time to, to just be thankful for everything that we've been given over the last few months and uh, watch what God has done in our lives and the miraculous things that have taken place. We'll share some of those things with you. But until then, know that we love you. We're praying for you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.